You can be seated. Don't we all want a well done from our dad? Haven't you longed to hear the words, I'm proud of you? We might know that our Heavenly Father loves us, but what makes our Heavenly Father proud of us? What kind of life will make him smile? Haven't you ever wondered, will the God of the universe greet me with a well done in heaven? does it take in our lives to win that well done from our Father? We've been exploring that, looking into that the last couple weeks in our series, and we're wrapping that up today. I can remember uh, when I was a young boy, I worked for my dad. Yeah, he had a part-time business, running a plumbing business on the side, and I would work for him on Saturdays and sometimes during weeknights, depending how busy the business was. And I can remember when we had a day that was a well done day, because a well-done day ended at a place called Twin Kiss Ice Cream Stand. And that's when Dad felt like the day went well. We stopped there, and we'd get a, a, his buddy owned, a, John Markley owned the Twin Kiss Ice Cream Stand in Lewistown, and we'd stop and get one of those twist cones of ice cream, just kind of sit in the work van, and my dad would kind of go back over the day. Okay, this went good, we cleaned this furnace there, and then we went over there, and we were able to get this plumbing job done, and we got the heat going back on over here at the Jones house, and he kind of just would go back over the day. I always knew that my dad loved me, but I also wanted to hear that well done at the end of the day. I wanted to know that I had contributed and done a good job, and it somehow helped the plan for the day all come together. And that's when we hear God's well done. God has this overall plan for the church family, this church family here at Good Hope Road. And when you come together and you give together and you serve together and God's intentions are lived out, he says, well done. That's why I intended for my kids to work together, to give glory to me, to build each other up, and to reach out to the community with the good news of Jesus Christ so other people can get on that life-changing journey with Jesus. So we're going to wrap up today by looking at kind of a classic passage of Scripture found in Philippians chapter 2. And this passage of Scripture kind of reveals the heart, the heart of a servant, or some of the priorities of a servant today. And uh, it, it just kind of works. The whole passage just kind of works for doing this. And, and I want to I read it to you this morning and have it just soak in a little bit. So just listen to this passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul is imploring the church to remember who their role model is, and to live like him and have the heart of a servant like Jesus Christ had. And he says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being when he appeared in a human form. And he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. This passage just kind of works. You know, sometimes as pastors or speakers, you'll hear us get up here, and you look at the passage of Scripture we teach on, and we say it has three points, but you can't for the life of you find those three points in that passage. 
and you don't get the big idea in there because some passages of Scripture just don't lend themselves to that. This one does. It has this big idea, this big idea that the heart of a servant is all about the attitude of the servant and that we need to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then it gives us three different ways that we look at the attitude of Jesus as he came from heaven to earth and served, went on the cross, died, rose again, and uh, then ascended back into heaven. When he did all that, what were some of the main things that he did that exemplify his attitude that we can learn from so that we can garner within us the heart of a servant? And we do that, and we talked about that in this series, that we're, we're not really a church family that wants people just to simply volunteer for things. Because God doesn't want to just use you to get ministry tasks done. What he wants to do is use a ministry task to help develop you into a servant as you're doing the task. So he doesn't want to just use you to get some things done. He wants to transform you as you're working on ministry tasks together as a family, giving him glory and also building each other up. And so we're going to look this morning at this passage of Scripture and three things that we see in Jesus that Jesus wants us to emulate out to others. And so the heart of the servant, number one, is giving. It's giving. We see this in Jesus. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think equality with God something to cling to. Jesus was a generous giver. He wasn't a grasper. These verses reveal that Jesus was, in his very nature, God. As a matter of fact, one of the translations of this passage says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And so in his very nature, God himself, if you think about this, is a giver. We could read this passage and think this. Jesus was in his very nature God, but he, he wasn't always kind of grasping or, 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 or you know, unsettled about that. Like, hey, look at me. I'm God. I'm God just like the Father is. But that's not what the passage is saying. The passage is saying, in his very nature, God is a giver. And so Jesus is a giver. And in your very nature, you've been made in the image of God. And so God made you to give. And so you never reflect God more than when you are giving. And you never reflect Jesus more than when you're giving, rather than trying to cling on to something. So many times when I'm serving, at times, I, I, I want people to know who I am. Or I want people to be impressed with who I am, what I'm doing. And Jesus laid out the whole thing that, as a matter of fact, when he was being persecuted for who he was, it says in one passage of Scripture, he made himself of no reputation in order to go to the cross and to serve us, in order so that we could come into the saving relationship with God and have the kingdom of heaven visit the kingdoms of earth. And so if you think about it, God in his very nature is a giver, and Jesus is a giver, and when we're being transformed into Jesus' nature, then we become givers. Think about this. God is a giver. God gave each one of us a unique design. It says in Scripture that he made us in his image, but he gave us each a unique design. It says in Scripture that he gave the breath of life to everything, and he gives the breath of life to each one of us today. God decided that we would get up this morning. We would have another breath of life, another day today. God gives us a natural church, a natural family. He plants us within a family, each one of us. He gives each one of us, extends to each one of us the gift of salvation if we'll receive it and take it back into our hands. He gives each one of us, and we talked about this just two weeks ago, spiritual gifts, and he gives each one of us a part of his heart 
that gives us a passion. He gives us a sliver of his heart into our heart so that we have a passion. He gives that to us. He gives us our personality and our style, the way that we are. He makes each one of us wonderfully unique. We've learned about that from Psalm 139. And he gives each one of us a spiritual family. And today we're together here at the Good Hope Road as a spiritual family before God. And he's given that to us as a gift today. He gives because in the heart of the matter, God is a generous giver. He's not a grasper. He's not looking to forward his reputation or to hold on to something. He's not up there wringing his hands, wondering if things will work out in the kingdom of God. No, he's very confident, and his kingdom is moving forward, and we just need to join in in that work and realize, God, you are generous to me. The Bible says whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created the lights in the heavens, and he never changes. He doesn't cast a shifting shadow. That's right, God never changes. He's always been giving. He always will be giving. He always will be forgiving. And we need to join him in that type of work. In his book, Improving Your Serve, which is one of my favorite books about serving, uh, pastor and author Chuck, Chuck Swindoll retells a story that kind of brings back this heart of a servant to us. He says that shortly after World War II, came to a close, Europe began to pick up the pieces. Much of the old country had been ravaged by the war and was in ruins, and perhaps the saddest sight of all was these little orphan children that were all over the streets starving in those war-torn cities. Early one chilly morning, an American soldier was making his way back to his barracks in London, England, and as he turned the corner in his jeep, he spotted a little lad whose nose was pressed to the window of a pastry shop. Inside, the baker was kneading the dough for a fresh batch of donuts, and the hungry boy stared in silence, watching every move of the baker that morning. The soldier pulled his jeep to the curb. He stepped, he stepped out of the jeep. He walked over to where the young fellow was standing, but the little boy didn't see him coming. Through the steamed-up window, they could both see the mouth-watering morsels as they were pulled from the oven, piping hot. The boy salivated. He released a little slight, slight groan as he watched the the cook placed them on the glass-enclosed counter inside the shop ever so carefully. The soldier's heart went out to the nameless orphan as he stood there beside him. And so he said, son, would you like some of those? The boy was startled. He hadn't seen the soldier walk up. Oh, yeah, you bet I would. The American stepped inside. He bought a dozen. He put them in a bag. He walked out to where the lad was standing in the foggy cold of the London morning. He smiled. He held the bag out and simply said, here you are. As he turned away, he felt a little tug on his coat, and he looked down as he heard the child ask him quietly, Mister, are you God? We're never more like God than when we give, when we find a need and fill it, when we see somebody or something around us that needs the touch of God, the flavor of God, the goodness of God, the giving of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we're never more like God. We never emulate him more from our hearts than when we serve. Second thing I see from this passage is the heart of a servant is sacrificing. Is sacrificing. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Instead of giving up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. There's a very unique word here that we have translated he gave up his divine privileges, okay? We have this whole phrase, 
it's actually a word in Greek, and the word is kenosis. I want everyone to say that out loud. I want you to feel really smart this morning. You know a Greek word on three, say kenosis, okay? One, two, three, kenosis, okay? Okay, it comes from this kenosis, and, and uh, the, the form of this word means uh, to empty oneself of something totally or fully, to take something that would be like a huge pitcher full of a substance, water, wine, whatever it is, and pour it out totally. Not pour part of it out, not pour every, but every last drop of it out, okay? Kind of like Maxwell Health coffee used to be, good to the last drop. Everything poured out. So I wanted you to get that picture in your mind of everything poured out, all of it poured out. Everything that was inside of it would be poured out. And so this leaves a lot of theological questions for those who like to write in theology and these are good questions, and one of the questions is, what did Jesus empty himself of? And so there have been tons of commentaries and books, believe me, more books than you want to read on this little, uh, what did emptying himself mean? And so they write on and on, ask themselves questions. As a matter of fact, we even have classic hymns of the church like the song, And Can It Be, that say, emptied himself of all but love. That's somebody's understanding of this passage. They were saying he emptied himself of everything but love. And other people, well, he couldn't empty himself of all his godly attributes. He, he did know other things were going on. He, he knew what was happening spiritually. There are different signs and signals within the scripture. And so they kind of go into, but after a while, all of that theologizing can make us miss the point. And the point of the apostle Paul was, be like Jesus. Let your life be poured out like an offering before God and your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let all of what God has poured in you pour back out of you. You see, Jesus was always in this interchange of letting the Father pour in, and then he would pour out. We see it again and again in Scripture. We see it after John the Baptist was beheaded, and Jesus is entering into ministry. One of the first things that he does is he tries to get us aside and away with his disciples on the other side of the lake so the Father can pour back into him because things are going to be poured out. Jesus, when he's going to the cross, what does he do? He goes to Gethsemane. He gets down on his knees and he prays. And he spends time with the Father, letting the Father pour in because what was going to happen on the cross, he was going to pour himself out. So we need this interchange in our life that when we're serving, we desperately need times daily of God pouring into us where we sit and we read the word of God and we pray and we just reflect on it. And we need times in our week where we come like this together as a church family and we reflect on God and let God pour into us. Because there's going to be many times where God wants to pour out what he's poured in. He wants us to pour it out and give it like an offering as Jesus did. Don't miss the point that the author is making here. He's saying, let your life be poured out for the glory of God and for the sake of others, both inside and outside God's family. Jesus' serving was incarnational. Jesus didn't stand at a distance and say, I love you. He didn't send a text message or an email. He didn't stand at a distance and just mouth the words. He came. He took the actions. He poured himself out. That's what being incarnational means. It means I pour myself out. I give of myself. I don't just talk about giving. I don't just think about giving. I don't just pray about giving. I don't just plan giving. I give of my life. And it's incarnational. We touch each other's lives when we give this way, incarnational. And this is, I'm just going to give you a short definition of incarnational, okay? Because sometimes we don't know what that means. 
okay? Incarnational means be in the flesh. Do it yourself. And here's what Jesus did when he did that. Jesus left his world. He became incarnate. He came down and took on flesh and blood. He left his world. The second thing was he entered into our world. The third thing was Jesus held on to who he was. He knew what his purpose was. He knew in serving what his purpose was. When Satan tried to get him off track in the the temptation in the desert, he knew exactly who he was. Every time Satan threw something at him, he would take a big ball of scripture and throw it back in Satan's mouth and say, no, the Son of Man came to do this. He knew who he was. Even in his times of greatest temptation, he knew who he was. And so that he left his place and he came to our place. He held on firmly to who the Father had made him and his purpose in this world. And then he hung between those two worlds. And that's the last part of an incarnational life. Is you hang between two worlds. You hang on to who God has made you. And you hang between your world and the other person's world. And when we're doing ministry, God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to leave our comfort zone, to leave our world at times. He wants us to enter into somebody else's world and into their zone and understand their life and what's going on with them. He wants us to hold on to ourselves. He wants us to know what our gifts are and our passion is and and our ministry and our style and how he's made us. He wants us to hold on to that because in the midst of that, we're going to need it. And then we need to hang between those two worlds, our world and their world as God moves in us. And that's when the Holy Spirit of God can really move in us in ministry. When we're hanging between two worlds and we're bringing, letting God just pour himself out in us and through us, John 12, 25 says it this way. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Let your life be poured out. Let God keep pouring in and let it be poured out like an offering before God to encourage everyone in the family and to help others get into the family. Third point I want to talk to you about this morning is the heart of a servant is giving, sacrificing, but the heart of a servant is also willing. It's also willing. It says he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He humbled himself in obedience. He was willing to do what the Father wanted him to do. One point in his ministry in his life, Jesus said this, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He knew exactly what his purpose was. And God wants you to know exactly what your purpose is and how he's wired you and made you to fulfill that purpose in this world. He has that for you. And you need to take that time where he poured into you those quiet times those times of meditation, those times even when you're active, sometimes when you're most active in doing, God, the Spirit will be speaking to you. This is what I want you doing. This is how I want you to change this. This is who I want you to partner with. He'll speak to you in the activity of serving and in the quietness when he's just pouring into you, when you're being poured out and when he's pouring in. God just wants you to be willing to be willing. My associate pastor up in New York, Bo Sanders, he used to say this. He was a big, strapping guy that played for the Regina Rams. He was a linebacker for the Rams, and he, had, he liked his tattoos. He was a huge guy. He, he could sport a tattoo. He could really sport a tattoo. So in this army, he had what was called the Alliance logo. We still have it to this day, the Christian Missionary Alliance. We belong to the Alliance family. You had a savior, sanctifier, healer, coming king. 
right here tattooed on. Over here, he had the Hebrew words from Jeremiah that says, I will put your words in my mouth like fire, you know? And, and so Bo would be up there, and, and he would be preaching or teaching or a lot of times leading the youth group in a coffee house downtown in Saratoga Springs, New York. And he would do this. He would tell the kids all the time, because the kids would say, I don't know, I kind of want to do that, but I can't get to it. He goes, are you willing to be willing? So in other words, he was saying this. There's a passage of Scripture where it says Jesus won't even snuff out a smoldering little piece of flax base from you. The smallest little ember. Jesus won't. He'll fan it into flame. So he's saying to them, are you willing? Do you have a little ember in there that you can give to the Lord and let him fan it into flame? Are you willing to be willing? That's the heart of a servant. See, servants don't always do everything perfect. If you're going to serve God, you're not going to get it all right. You're not going to do it all perfect. You're not going to do every act of service exactly right. You're going to get things wrong. Sometimes when you're trying to serve, people will end up not seeing your act of service. Sometimes they'll receive it with gladness, and other times they won't. That's really not the point. The point is, are you willing to do what the Father wants? Do you have that small ember within you that you give up to Jesus and you let him fan it into flame within you? As he pours into you and you pour out, are you willing to be willing? Sometimes... uh, I think about this, and we're talking about this in the last couple of weeks as we're getting ready to give this message. And the whole idea of serving from the heart when I'm not serving from the heart when I am, what's it look like? And here's a couple of things that we thought of as we're putting this together. When I'm not serving from the heart, I tend to broker deals with God about serving. Lord, I'll do this for you if you will do this for me, right? Anybody else ever do that? I, once in a while, I, I do that. Try to broker a deal with God, okay? And when we broker deals with God, then we do stuff. We're like, God, why didn't you do this? God, why aren't you doing that? I did this, and that's when I'm not serving from the heart. When I get frustrated that I don't get credit for the way that I'm helping, I don't get enough kudos. Uh, I remember in, in Sunday school when I was a kid, and you got all the little stamps for doing all the verses right, and you got the little stars, and you got the perfect attendance thing. We used to have the perfect attendance thing, and we could take it home. You know, that's sometimes we keep living our lives that way, you know? I need more credit for that. Uh, sometimes when we want to, we're just frustrated with the people that we're serving at rather than supporting them. And we're just frustrated with everybody that we're serving with. And uh, When I find in my service that I'm wiped out and I think, why am I doing this anyhow? That's when I'm not serving from the heart. I'm not serving from a heart of servant. But when I'm serving from a ser- heart of a servant, it looks different. I serve because I want to, not because I have to. I serve because I, I feel that calling. I feel that ember. I feel God compelling me. I feel that God's calling me to serve. I serve so that God can become famous, not so that I can become famous. And Pastor Sean often speaks on that. Let's make God famous. And he, you know, he often encourages our staff because he works as our pastor of equipping too. And he says, let's help make God famous. And so when I want God to be famous, when, when I serve with a smile rather than with a grimace or, you know, with just, oh, man, that's when I'm serving with the heart of a servant. When I serve and even though I'm kind of feeling wiped out, I feel I can't wait to do this again because the Father is whispering, even in your times of being tired, this is what I crafted you to do. You ever doing something and you're tired at the end of it, but you feel like, ah, oh, this is what I was made to do. I can't wait to do this again. Lord, breathe in me again. Fill me again. Pour into me again. Because I, I want to do this again. That's when you know you're doing something 
God crafted and designed you to do in the family of faith. Pastor Matt Boyer was working with me on this message this week, and he's speaking over at uh, the other campus this morning. And he came up with this thing called a heart assessment, which are just like five different, four or five different questions here to ask yourself, four questions. And uh, let's just go over them. I thought he did a great job with this. And of course, I wrote all the rest of everything. This is the only thing that Matt did, okay? You're right. So you did a great job with this. And, and I thought the first question was really interesting. Am I compelled to help others because I, I feel like I have to or because I truly want to? You know, great question. Have to or want to? Do I want to help so that others can notice me or so that they can notice God? The whole thing of making God famous, right? When I give them my time and my energy and my resources to help, is it done with a smile or do I have a grimace on my face, okay? When I help, do I spend more of my time lamenting the challenges or celebrating the wins? Yesterday, uh, I was reading a book, finishing it up because a friend of mine loaned it to me. How many of you know Scott Weaver? Scott comes over here once in a while to, to lead worship and stuff. And so Scott had loaned me this book a while ago, and it's called Mindset. And the whole idea is there's, you can choose two different mindsets in life. You can have this growth mindset, or you can have this mindset where you're just kind of stuck in getting the stuff done. Or you can look at what you have to do or who you have to engage in as an opportunity to grow. So there's two different mindsets. And so I, I needed to finish up the book because he emailed me on Friday. He said, you're done with my book yet. I need to loan that to somebody else. And uh, so I went through and I finished up the book, and I was just highlighting some things and writing down some notes that I wanted from it yesterday. And, and I thought... You know, that's, that's the mindset. If, if my mindset is I just got to get this done and get this stuff done and I just start doing life as a total checklist, you know, and there's days when I do that. As a matter of fact, on Tuesdays, I usually go in and, and I start to write out all my projects, all my appointments, and early in Tuesday mornings, I write them down and I kind of get the, everything going. And sometimes what I'm doing is I'm just going through my, my, sometimes I'm actually lining up my work. Sometimes I'm just trying to get the stuff done, Right. Anybody else ever have a week like that or days like that? I'm just trying to get this done. I, I don't know if this will grow me or kill me or what it's doing to me. I just got to get it finished, right? So that's kind of lamenting the challenges of life. Celebrating the wins of life is saying, I get to meet with these five people this week, and as I go into these five times, I get to go in and I get to mentor this person. What can I learn as I get ready to mentor them? This person I have to go in, I got to do some conflict management with. What can I learn even in the challenge of doing conflict management with this person. So what way am I looking at life? When you look at life as a servant the way that Jesus did, Jesus seems to see all of these instances with people and projects and tasks and even going to the cross as an opportunity to grow. And I think it's important for us to, to think about that opportunity to grow. And I think that's really when the Father says over us, well done. Because it's not getting all the stuff done right that he wants. What he wants is, I want my kids working together to bring me glory, to build each other up, and to reach a lost world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And when he sees that happening, and he sees that dynamic, he says, that's what I intended as the Father. Well done. Well done. Well done. That's when he whispers it to us. He breathes it to us. Can't wait till the day when we all come home someday and say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
uh, when we were younger, um, <clears throat> my wife worked in the intensive care unit for just about 20 years. And uh, <clears throat> she did that. She took care of most of the things all, all around the house during the week. And, you know, we're young and we're planting a church in New York and we're planting a church down here. And so every once in a while on the weekends, I would end up having to take care of the kids. But for the most part, she did it. She did a great job with it. <clears throat> but when I had to take care of the kids, I kind of had an overall plan of what I wanted to happen. And my overall plan was just kind of like this. Okay, we'll have fun, some, some fun during the day, but we'll get to a certain part in the evening. We're going to make dinner together. These guys are going to have to help me. Someone's going to have to help make the macaroni and cheese, and someone's got to help me with the hot dog, and someone has to help with the ramen noodles. That's a fully rounded meal in a man's mind. Okay? And then after that, we're going to have to clean up a bit, and then we'll have a little time of entertainment or a movie or play a game together, and then we're going to read books together, and then we're going to kind of lay down and read books, and, and that's a good, that's a well-done day. We can, you know, have some fun together, eat together, clean up together. And so I would have different things for the kids to do. As a matter of fact, I, I, when, when the you know, family room was all messed up at the end of the day, I'd be like, okay, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I remember, uh, I don't know if Debbie knows this, but I used to get the broom and dustpan out and, and have them sweep up the Legos with the broom and dustpan because they'd be all over the place. So I, I had my way of seeing what was good to me, right? And the end of a good day to me with the kids would be like this. We would be laying there in bed together reading a book and as I'm falling asleep and they are falling asleep, I'm saying, well done. This is a good, this was a good day in the Smith household. You know, the father's the same way. The father doesn't call us to serve without being with us. He's with us always. He sends the Holy Spirit to be with us. He brings us together as a family. He's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for Good Hope Road family to come together and serve together and glorify him and build each other up and reach out those in this community that don't know him. And when he sees you doing that, he says, oh, that's what I intended. Well done. Well done. See, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get it all right. We don't have to do every last thing perfect to hear is well done. We just need to participate, do our part, come together, glorify him, build each other up. And reach out to those who don't know him with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's when the Father says, that's what I intended. That's the way I always saw it in my mind's eye. Well done. Well done. Let's talk to the Father right now together in prayer. Father, our culture celebrates 15 minutes of fame, but you honor a lifetime of faithfulness. We... We don't ever want to settle for just 15 minutes of fame. We want the affirmation of a faithful life. As a church family, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Teach us how to work together for your glory. Guide us on a transformational pathway to become your servants. Help us to never settle for simply volunteering, but to follow you and join our brothers and sisters in the work of your kingdom together. Mark us with those same characteristics that marked your life, Jesus. The characteristic of giving. The characteristic of sacrificing. And pouring ourselves out. and Keep pouring back into us, God. And the characteristic of, of being willing. 
willing to do what you want, willing to focus on your preferences each week. Lord, we lift up ourselves to you, and we thank you for all that you're doing here at Good Hope Road, how you're building this church family together. Thank you for Pastor Sean, his leadership of of this campus, and I just pray you would continue to bless them as they come together for your glory, to build each other up, and to reach out to the community around them here. He doesn't know you yet, needs to come into that life-changing journey with you. Bless them as they help others discover that. Bless them as they deepen their journey and their walk with you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want you to pull out your response card now and take just a couple minutes to respond. Every Tuesday morning, there's a group of folks that get together and they look at these cards and they actually sit there and they read out loud each request and they pray it. Most Tuesday mornings, I'm there with them. I get the opportunity to be there with them. There's a whole group of folks who sit in their homes during the week and sit there and do that too. So you need to know that each one of your requests are important to us. We pray for them because we want God to touch you or you have a need in your life. So if you have that need, you need to write that down this week. Just write it down there, what your prayer need is. And we'll be praying for you this week. Also, I just want you to write down any personal response that you might have this morning. Something God talked to you about. It might be a word. It might be a commitment. Something like that. Just write that down. And lift that up before the Father this morning. Take a couple minutes this morning just to respond to God.